Hello, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 12. 12, uh, right? Yeah, 12. What are we reviewing here, Dan? Alright, well, you know what? Before we even get to that, before we even jump into any Lantern-ish stuff, yeah. I gotta throw this at, have you seen Star Trek yet? Yes, I have. You have? Yes. I saw it yesterday. There's almost no words. It was so good. I cannot <laughs> fucking believe it. It was so... I went into this thing looking for, like... Uh, I just wanted, like, like a fun space movie that just happened to be set in the Star Trek universe. Right. And it was all that, and it was more. It was just... Like, I walked out of that theater wanting to turn around and see, like, the sequel immediately. <laughs> I, where did you see it? Did you see it on a regular screen or an IMAX screen? Regular. Why, did you go IMAX? Yes. Oh, what was that like? Oh, I mean, it was it was insane. Like, a, a friend of mine, he knew that, that we have this IMAX screen at actually a local museum. It's like yeah. this, it's like in like a, a planetarium kind of like dome. Was it so? Was it like on the ceiling and shit too, or was it yeah. like? Yeah, like it's like, you know, got this, uh, you know, bend of the planetarium type dome. The thing was enormous. I mean, the only downside was like we could have sat a little farther back to be able to like take everything in at once. Um, there were a couple of times where you had to like kind of like actually turn your head from left to right to see everything that was going on because it was so big. But I mean, like that was kind of part of the cool factor also because everything was so enormous yeah. and like you know the sound is just insane it's like you're part of the movie yeah and how fucking appropriate is that too like like seeing star trek in a planetarium yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true but like i was just so like i mean i mean like every other podcast in the world has been talking about this movie and I've, I know that because I've finally let myself catch up on them because <laughs> I finally <laughs> saw it. But I had just heard so much general praise. Like, I have not heard a single bad thing about this movie from anybody. Like, other than, like, little tiny stuff here and there. So I went in, like, taking it all with a grain of salt of, like, oh, if this many people are talking up this much, then it's going to let me down in some way. And it, it didn't. There were a couple of, like, slight issues I had, like, continuity-wise. Well, I mean, like, as far as, like, you know, now there's, you know, new continuity. Well, yeah, but they even, like, they take, even, like, take five minutes or so in the middle of the movie to kind of explain the fact that, yeah, this, this, you know, we spoil everything. I don't even want to fucking spoil this movie. Yeah, no, I don't want to either. I I mean, like, we'll just leave it at, like, there's there's new continuity. It does respect... (laughs) the what you know the continuity that's come before it but i had to basically i had to take some time to just accept what they had done because i love the movie i loved everything else that happened in the movie you know there was just that that slight stumbling block that i had to get over to just like just think to myself it's like okay this was an amazing movie and anybody that's not really into star trek I think could still like watch this movie and really appreciate it. Oh yeah, but and that's another thing. I went with my family. I went with like my mom, my brother, and my dad. My dad, he watched the original show back when it was on. And my mom, 
she never watched the show, but she was familiar with the the old actors like Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, and everybody else. My brother has only his only exposure to the Star Trek has been like the Next Generation movies, right? And I've just kind of casually watched random pieces of different Star Trek series throughout the years, and all of us came out of this having had a great time and like like the car ride home we were all just like talking about every facet of this and how it compares to the old stuff and everything it was just like i don't think i blinked for two hours Mm -hmm. it was so great but like all all the acting was just like fantastic in it yeah and it, it was so great like like nobody was trying to do like an impression of the old actors either it was right. like they were they were trying to to do the character like what's his face who played Kirk he wasn't trying to play William Shatner's Kirk he was trying to play Kirk as he saw the character you know right yeah oh, but it was yes. just it was just really great so like I can tell you from my personal experience of me and the people who I brought that you know it doesn't matter if you have history of Star Trek or not it doesn't matter if you've ever cared about Star Trek or not you're gonna enjoy this thing. And if you're, like, if you're scared about, like, a reboot and whatever, I mean, like, like, again, we're not going to spoil this, but it basically, it, the way this movie does, like, handles the whole thing, it gives us new continuity, but it doesn't take away anything. Like, the, like they have it, the way they've set it up, like, they could still do this movie series and they could still keep making other projects that use the established Star Trek universe too. Right. There's no reason they couldn't. Right. So like they give us something new but they do not take away anything at all. It all still counts. Everything. <laughs> it all still counts. Everything. <laughs> and oh. on that note <laughs> Actually that is a pretty good segue. It's, well by our standards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about tonight, Jim? We are talking about Tales of the Green Lantern Corps, a three-issue miniseries. Yeah, it came out in a trade of the same name a few months ago. It's by... Len Wein and... Da, da, da. Joe Staten and yes. Frank McLaughlin. This is one of, like, 18 million things Joe Staten drew Green Lantern-wise in his tenure on the book. Joe Staten is amazing. All right, let's go for it. What, you want to start? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, the, uh, the book starts out with all the Green Lanterns heading to Oa for a big announcement. So that's all 3,600 Green Lanterns. At the time, there were only 3,600 Green Lanterns. They're all flying to Oa. Hal meets the Green Lantern uh, Rezia for the very first time. We hear about Hal's origin again. They make a point of including that in the first issue. Since all the Green Lanterns are going to Oa, a few of the Guardians are basically flying around in the universe, picking up the slack and saving planets and doing whatnot in the Green Lantern's absence. Then we get a recap of Krona's story, how he was trying to figure out the origin of the universe and unwittingly unleashed evil across the cosmos. So the Owens, the Guardians, decided to try and fight evil 
and undo or fight at least what Krona had done. Then we, we head back to Oa and it turns out that Krona is coming through a rift in dimensions and all the Green Lanterns are going to have to go and fight. So all the Green Lanterns at once go to recharge their their rings at the main central power battery. And as they're all recharging, they just get done saying their oaths. Then all of a sudden, the power battery blows up, kills a ton of Green Lanterns. Since they don't have a power battery anymore, they have less than 24 hours to take care of the problem. Now, what's what struck me, like, as I was reading this first issue, a phrase that came to mind was, like, DC for dummies, almost. Because this is... This, like, introduces you to everything. Like, this is the definition of entry-level, new reader-friendly stories. Because, I mean, this first issue alone, you get, you know, you get an explanation of Green Lantern, of what the Green Lantern Corps is, where it came from, who Hal Jordan is, what's his origin. You get a taste of the multiverse, because they throw Alan Scott in there and mention Earth 2. You get... You know, I looked up. I looked at the date in the front cover here. This was published in 1981, so right. this was this was like right before the crisis. Right. And they even give us the Krona story, which ends up being retconned into the birth of the multiverse. Right. As someone who knew all this stuff already, it was a little it was a little tough to get through, especially <laughs> with how many how many different times we've seen Hal's origin told and retold by now, but differently each time i'll add yeah i actually i should have paid attention to how abinster they didn't show us how abinster died this time i bet he like tripped on a fork or something <laughs> well no they they said uh he was battered by radiation in the was it the van allen radiation belt yeah um, wasn't he blinded or something and he just crashed yes yes he was blinded by the yellow light at the controls and uh momentarily helpless he crashed See, um, i swear to god if you ever want to like win a fight just select abin sir just fight him he'll, he'll <laughs> like sneeze on him and he'll go down well i think it's probably the kind of thing where no matter what was going to happen abin sir was going to die and how he died didn't really matter like you know uh, he was uh, he was walking along in an earth forest and he tripped and fell on a yellow splinter and he died from it. It doesn't yeah. really matter as long as Hal Jordan ends up becoming a Green Lantern. Yeah, Abinster ate a grapefruit. They remember he's allergic to grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, um. but yeah, in like it's it's interesting to note that in this particular origin. Abin Sir takes the time to let him know about the yellow impurity. Yeah, he didn't seem to be in that bad a shape this time around. He's just he's kinda sweating a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like having a conversation. Here's everything you need to know. And then he scans Hal again. He's like, I'm telling you everything, but you know what, let me just double check you're the right guy. Yeah, you're fine. Alright, here's the here's the ring. Oh, did you find it like profoundly creepy? That in this version, Hal apparently, like, strips Strips the uniform off the dead body of Abin Sur and then puts it on? Yes, yes. That is so weird. That is fucking creepy. I guess that they just didn't have enough panels to display 
the costume just like energizing on to Hal. Oh, it, oh my god. <laughs> it was so messed up. And then he picks up a mountain and drops it on him to hide it. Yeah, just the... I mean, that I've seen in, like, a bunch of the other versions, but... I mean, that, that actually is a cool scene if you read DC New Frontier. Okay. But, uh... But, I mean, that... <laughs> and then he afterwards, he's like, hey, the guy, the dude was right. So he... To test it out, he drops a mountain on the wreckage of the spaceship. <laughs> That's not exactly <laughs> carrying your dead, you know? <laughs> it's like... Oh it's like the Wizard of Oz, only in reverse. <laughs> First yeah, he, he takes dropped... the ring and costume, and then he drops the mountain on him. Uh, I was uh, surprised that this was Aresia's first appearance. Me too. Also, it's also worth noting that they write off the yellow impurity as uh, he's pointing to the battery and says, the unique metal which charges the battery has a yellow impurity in it. Yet if that impurity is removed, the battery loses its power. Yeah, that was that was a weird little detail. I, I've heard that a, a couple of times <laughs> that like the metal had the impurity. Something I've heard was that like either in the rings or in the battery itself, there's like a little yellow gem that was supposed to focus the power, or that like the guardian's power is blue, and it has to go through this yellow filter to become usable, and that makes it green or something. And okay. I've never really, I've never really liked that idea. But. I think there was another story. I don't know if it was in this particular trade, where they mentioned something about super rings that don't have the yellow impurity. Really? Yeah. I don't know if that actually made it into the trade. No, I don't remember reading that. Yeah. I'll have that to look act- for it again. Because I remember, um, like around Green Lantern one hundred. Right. When Kyle, they have this this story where Kyle gets sent to the past where it's Hal's early career and they right. team up. At first, Kyle doesn't want to let anybody know that he's from the future, so he passes off his ring, which can he show, blatantly shows can work on yellow, as you know a like a new model or something. So I wonder if that's what uh, Ron Mars, who was writing at the time, was drawing off of, or just like a little nod to that. Possibly. I have to read that story to know for sure. Something I've never seen before ever until this story right here is like every time a Green Lantern had to like say hello to each other, they would generate this gigantic infinity symbol. The Mobius loop. Yeah, like what the hell is up with this? Like it it happened like Aresia does it when she meets Hal. Hal does it when Katma shows up. Katma does it back to him and then... A whole group of the core do it to say hi to Tomar, and like I've never seen this happen before. Um, no, I think that I have seen it at least a couple other times. Like it's some kind of like you know universal greetings for anybody that's been in space. In Green Lantern or in other sci-fi stuff? In just Green Lantern. Because I'm reading this, and it's like all of a sudden they have this secret handshake that has never been seen or heard from again. It was like weird to me. Oh, we get a look at uh, the Honor Guard. Yeah, that was another thing. I I had absolutely no idea the Honor Guard existed before, like, present day. <laughs> we have members Tomar Ray, Charisma, and Apros. I really like how Apros, like, 
they keep his dialogue untranslated because I think it just looks cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Speaking of creepy stuff in this issue, right? Like not even this issue, but I guess in this story overall. Just just because we know where they end up, did it just freak the hell out of you that Hal calls Aresia little sister like every single time he opens his mouth? <laughs> I mean, it was like punctuation after a while. Every sentence ended with little sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I noticed that. And yeah, it's it was very funny because... I thought the funniest line was when Hal meets up with uh, Katma Tui on Oa. And, you know, they're greeting each other like old friends. And Aresia is like, you know her? Huh, Hal? A little tall, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> like, a little tall. Like, she's totally jealous. I mean, I, I look at this, I'm like, oh... This is the this is the girl who's going to like be obsessed with Hal and and like use her ring to forcibly age her to like a twenty something year old so that it won't be creepy even though that makes it more creepy and they're gonna hook up anyway and then she'll die but not really yeah but yeah like that, that whole aging thing is pointless because then they write write in like later on that. Every year on her planet is like equal to, I don't know, 50 years, 100 years, whatever, of the Earth years. So she's actually like, you know, a thousand years or something ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. That's BS. Did they they know that before she did it? Or was it just because she was physically more like an Earth teenager? I th- well, I mean, like, I think that they were always writing her as, like, she was a teenager. It's just that in the recent series with Jeff Johns, he decided to rewrite it, you know, to make it sound like she was actually, like, never a teenager to kind of get rid of some of the creepiness factor. Hal's not, uh, rocking the space cradle or anything. <laughs> Rob- robbing the cradle. That's the- robbing the space cradle. I guess in space, nobody can hear you scream if you're jailbait or not. In space, no one can hear you molest children. (laughs) Ah, yes. Was it weird to you that, like, apparently all aliens are, like, Scottish? (laughs) What? I mean, it seems like every time, like, a Guardian or a random alien Green Lantern, when, uh... They get to Oa and everybody's saying hi to everybody. We get we see Stell, who looks I don't like this body on Stell. Uh where where the hell is this? I lost the page. There it is. Here, Charlie, and you have become quite close, Stell of Grenda. Hi, Jordan. Yeah. The Earth lad has more than justified our faith in him. He's he has like a freaking Scottish accent. No, he just said I as in a galactic affirmative. How does how is I a galactic affirmative? Okay, okay. Everybody who's in favor say I. Everybody opposed say nay. It's that that's that's the I that they're referring to. It doesn't read like that though. Well, I mean, I guess if it was spelled out more like I, Jordan, the the Earth lad has more than justified our faith in him. That is exactly how I read it in my head when I read this thing. Exactly. (laughs) 
They even put the emphasis on faith right here. It's bolder. Oh, God. <laughs> so, in my head, I'm reading this whole thing. Like, Stell has a Scottish accent, Katma has a Scottish accent, this weird glowing cloud thing has a Scottish accent. <laughs> a Guardian has a Scottish accent, I think. Wait, wait. How does how does Katma... Well, she doesn't actually say it, but, you know. Oh, boy. <laughs> They're all Scottish. Aliens are Scottish. They come from the planet Scotland. Maybe, maybe Grenda just has a, a thick Scottish accent. Possibly. Or, or uh, may, maybe he maybe he originally got his ring from Scrooge McDuck. That would be no Scrooge would keep it. No Scrooge would have the orange ring. All right, let's like get off on that. Um, as lo- since it's right here on this page, you want to tell everybody about uh, Charlie Vicker. This 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 also hit me out of nowhere. I got so many notes out of the first like five pages of this thing. Like yeah. there's another human Green Lantern that just happens to be around. <laughs> Yeah, Charlie Vicker, um, he's a human being from Earth. He was actually an actor. He was an actor that portrayed (laughs) Green Lantern on television on Earth. His brother was killed by what? What was that? The Warriors of Quard. Yeah, so Charlie Vickers got really pissed off. He wanted to go for revenge. Hal Jordan wouldn't take him, but he set up a telepathic link anyway so that he could communicate with Charlie. Then Hal gets thrown in a yellow prison and he has to communicate with Charlie to help save him. So somehow he's able to teleport him to the the planet that he's imprisoned on through the teleportation, telepathy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Charlie Vickers sets him free. Hal Jordan gives him a spare ring that was on some dead dude's finger. And Just lying around. he becomes an honorary Green Lantern. And then later on, the Guardians are like, oh, you did such a good job, we're going to make you a full-time Green Lantern. And they stuck him in, like, this sector, like, far away from Earth with, like, no human types. Like, here, go be sad. <laughs> it's like, we want to really just, uh, you know, we want to thank you for doing such a good job. Um... Now we're going to put you over here, the worst place in the galaxy. <laughs> Could you imagine that, though? Because, I mean, at this time, there was only one Green Lantern per sector, and technically Earth's had three, like, three and a half, because Alan's not in the core, but... So, like, they're... I could picture the Guardians just looking at themselves like, all right, you know what, we got too many humans already, can we just <laughs> stick him over here? <laughs> you know what I think? I think that they were just pissed off that, like, here he is as an actor on television. They probably thought he was making fun of him, so they wanted to uh, kind of like torture him a little and put him somewhere that he knew that he was going to hate. Oh man! And Charlie's Charlie is dead though, right? He's Charlie like... Charlie actually became a dark star later on. Um, oh, that means he's dead. <laughs> and yes, now he's dead. We might see him again. Who knows? He was in this trade. They release it now. He maybe he'll be a Black Lantern. Could you picture that random flashback sequence to explain who the hell Charlie Vicker is to like today's audience? <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, there was this other human Green Lantern that we just haven't mentioned for a while. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to think about that. Char- maybe that's who was talking to the Anti Monitor at the end of Green- uh, Sinestro War. Maybe it was Charlie Vicker. <laughs> God, I hope not. Oh man, what you call it? Oh, this. The, uh, the Krona story. Yeah. They basically, they give the whole origin of the Guardians, but they 
don't oh yeah uh according to this the guardians were born on oa oh and they were <laughs> immortal before most other races were even existing i thought the immortality was always part of them well, I but, think, no, they, they, they eventually got to that. Yeah, but in the continuity we have and what we've had for a long time is they were born on, uh, was it, Maltus? Right. And they migrated to Oa when they decided to start guarding the universe because, you know, it's easier from the dead center of the universe. You're equal distance from the whole thing. But, yeah, this origin also doesn't mention anything about the Zamorans or the controller. Well, this whole issue was kind of just like a crash course. Right. You know, so I mean, look how look how casually in passing they mentioned Alan Scott and Earth Two. It was one panel. <laughs> the Manhunters. Were you curious at all about the? Uh, I guess the race that came between the Manhunters and the Green Lanterns. The kind of fishy fish looking guy. Yeah. There? I kind of, but I know I used to know about them, but I don't remember them. I know the the guy next to him, with the without the Green Lantern emblem, and he's got like the reddish hair. Right. That was I don't remember his name anymore, but that was the their first Green Lantern. Really? Yeah. That story is out there somewhere? That is, yeah. Uh, that's that's gonna be something to check out. Yeah, we'll have to find that. We can look it up. Oh, yeah, the one last thing that I wanted to mention. All <laughs> the Green Lanterns, they're charging up at the main central power battery and yeah. they all have different oaths at this point. Yeah, that was really cool. Oh hey, hey. Give us a dramatic reading of, uh, what's his name? forgot his name. The amoeba-like guy? Yeah, what's his name? God damn it, where are you? Right. Uh, da, 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 da. Edor. Okay. From lantern comes the gift we give to shed light's grace on all that live. Quick and to the point. Yes. <laughs> now say it like you're made of smoke. <laughs> What? Do it. <sighs> Creepy. All right. <laughs> you, you you didn't have your universal translator on. Oh no, I didn't. I I forgot. I I can't run that and Skype at the same time. It eats up too much memory. Yeah, that's the problem. Okay. Yeah. So power battery is uh, demolished, and uh, uh oh, what's everybody gonna do? And to be continued. All right. So issue two. Issue two. We open with the Guardians, like, all of them. Like, other than, like, the three who were off, you know, keeping the peace everywhere. They're flying through space. They find the tear that Krona came through. And as they go to try and seal it, they're blasted by a gigantic hand shooting, like, this dark energy at them. And they're all just taken aback. They're trying to fight back. They have to take refuge behind some asteroids, and it's not—it's not working. It's not going well. <laughs> and they just see this giant fucking eye show up in the rift that just says, you know, you know, it doesn't matter that you're immortal, you're gonna die too. And then it disappears. You know, back on Oa, the Green Lantern Corps is sifting through the rubble, trying to find all of, like, all of their fallen comrades. Like, they keep pulling out more dead bodies more injured people, and Hal's just sitting there like, what the, what the hell, we have to move, we have less than a day, we can't recharge anymore, we gotta take care of this now. And he just kind of rallies the troops, and they all go off throughout space, just searching for Krona. And poor Cell, true to form, gets just torn to 
freaking pieces. Yep, once again. God. Like, I've yet to read a Stell story where he is not being destroyed or still destroyed from the last time he got destroyed. <laughs> like, I feel so sorry for this robot. <laughs> but he, yeah, he finds Krona. Krona just rips him apart. And apparently, like, they gave up on Stell completely. I thought they were going to try and fix him, but they just, like, leave him for dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, better <laughs> uh, start stripping him down for scrap metal. I mean, and I mean, he's a robot. You can fix him. <laughs> and they put him, but they do put him in this nice little display case, which made me think like that looks like a nice like action figure pack right there with like a little you know build build a cell right in that little cell. box. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the Green Lanterns they take off. They manage to track the energy signature or whatever, and they find Krona's. You know, Krona has demon army too, apparently. So they find Krona's demon army in space, and they just collide with it in this massive Lord of the Rings-style <laughs> war. And, you know, they're fighting. Hal's trying to, to help Aresia through, because she's still a rookie. You get some some pretty savage, like, not on panel, but some savage, like, murders on the part of the Green Lanterns. <laughs> I think especially, like, like was it Vargas or... What's his name? Barkus? Vargas? Arcus Chumuk? Yeah, he's like the dog kind of one. He he just kind of... He's he's fighting this giant yellow creature that's going to snap his back. So he just falls off and breaks its neck. And like, and, and if that's not enough, he walks away saying like, you know, it's it's the custom of my people to, to eat the bodies of those we kill, but, you know, I don't have time now. And there's no honor in it. Yeah, and they strategically placed the war balloon so it's covering the monster's head so you can't see, like, the gore. <laughs> but yeah, so they fight, they fight, they fight. Until the only one left is, is uh, what's his name, Tylot, who's this little monkey in a diaper that's leading the whole thing. <laughs> and Hal reads his mind. Or wait, did he read? Yeah, he reads his mind with his ring. Not with his mental link, that's reserved for Charlie Vicker. Charlie Vicker um, is special. He is special. And he learns the rest of the story. He finds out that, you know, after Krona was banished as pure energy by the Guardians, as they found out last time, he kind of landed in this realm of the dead. This, I guess it's Limbo? Yes. And there he met a character who I believe we'll all become all too familiar with very soon. Necron. Necron, Lord of the Unliving. He is this gigantic skeleton kind of wearing clothes who resides in limbo the fact that this is kind of a loophole the fact that krona entered necron's dimension since you can only get there by dying the fact that krona was there means that he was technically dead so because an immortal died it tore a hole in limbo to the outside world so necron like he couldn't escape he could see what was out there and he wanted it so he re- he restored Krona, gave him an army of dead people, which is what you know the Lantern Corps just fought, and sent him out there to basically make the rift wider, kill more immortals, which means the Guardians. Just as they learn that, a Guardian shows up to to let everybody know what's going on, but then the Guardian dies, which kind of came out of nowhere because I didn't think they really got hurt that badly. But uh, they find out Krona is on Oa. The core goes to fight them, and they're doing okay until they stop doing okay. <laughs> no, they were never doing okay. As soon as they yeah. got there, he was just like, 
kicking their asses. He actually he knocks out absolutely everyone but Hal. And then Hal pulls this trick, which was kind of cool. I don't know if it should have worked, but it was kind of cool. Where Hal summons the energy in all of their rings, focuses it through his own, and fires one massive blast at Krona, <laughs> which which seems to... It knocks him off balance a little bit, but then he just shreds it and knocks Hal out and goes away. <laughs> kind of like when Popeye takes his spinach and... He can, like, all of a sudden tear water apart or something like that. Yeah, because in the one panel, it shows Krona getting blasted with this energy beam. In the next panel, he's physically grabbed the energy <laughs> and is ripping it like it's fabric. While it's being blasted, if you could move water around like a solid while it was still a liquid, that's what this is. Yes. And he tells the lanterns, like, you know, go home, be with your loved ones when the time comes. That's the only thing I'll do for you. Because you're almost out of power. My master's almost out. Bye. And then he leaves. And that's that's the end of issue two. Oh, yes. So, when an immortal dies, that apparently tears open a rift in space. And when another immortal dies, it makes the opening bigger. So, and as you pointed out last time... Last episode. Yeah, we got to see... How many controllers was it? Five? It was like four or five controllers <laughs> killed. Yep, all immortals, all dead. And, and just before the Black Lantern showed up, like, what happened just a couple of pages before that? Green Lantern 25, in the final chapter of the Sinestro Corps War, a Guardian committed suicide to take out Superboy Prime. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, and it's all coming together. Were you a fan of the monkey in the diaper? Um... <laughs> He was kind of irritating. Yeah. It was such a random... Just threw him in there. I'm trying to find it because I don't remember if it was this issue or the next one. But, like, they don't they don't go into detail about Necron's power, really. He just... he ha He's enormously powerful, and he has sway over the dead. Right. But th somewhere in here, they describe Necron's power as dark light. So even just that concept is there. Like, the idea, because the Black Lanterns are going to be wielding these rings that use black energy. And even back there, like, they don't, they don't flat out say what kind of energy it is or what it is or that it's made of death or whatever, but the concept of wielding black light and that being devastating to the Green Lanterns and Guardians, it's, it's all right here. Oh, where was that now? I don't know. I, yeah, here it is. It's at the very beginning, right after the Guardians got attacked. One of them says, Incredible, that demonic dark lightning... Oh, dark lightning. Oh, right. Whatever. It can actually do us harm. Right. Well, I, I did want to point out, like, uh, the energy being shot out from both Necron and Krona, it, it's like... It, it's almost like a black energy. Yeah. It's like a bluish-purplish yeah, like indigo kind of color, but... That's usually how they would, you know, do, like, a dark, like, a, a black-type energy kind of thing. Oh, yeah, and especially, like, this is still the era where, where you know, if you have a character that has black hair, it's going to have, like, blue highlights, or it's going to look like blue hair with black in it, you know? Right. But, yeah, this is, like, this is, like, the, technically, like, the first appearance of black energy, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, one other thing is that 
when they're giving the origin of Necron, they say that when he's looking out into the land of the living, there's light and warmth and laughter. And, like, he wants that. Now, like, if you think back to Secret Origin, when Hal Jordan was, like, he put on the costume for the very first time, they made a point of saying that the green was this hot energy and the black was, like, very cold. I think that was them trying to push across the idea that the black is death and the death is cold. You know, like the uh, yeah. Black Lanterns. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people keep going back to that. And I don't really... Like, I I don't really think that's supposed to mean anything beyond surface value. Because, I mean, when I... Every time I read someone mentioning, like... I mean, I think it's only come up in the comic, like, twice. But when it does come up, the first thing I think of is the fact that these are, like, basically cops that have to be able to function anywhere in the universe. So, you know, this would be one more level of environmental control. But, the fact that, like, like, your costume is keeping you hot and cold at the same time, so it's regulating your temperature. Yeah, but, I mean, like, the, the costume will regulate your temperature, like, no matter what, based on, you know, just the protective shield. Like, that's, that's going the... to, you know, affect... That aura is going to make sure that you have suitable living conditions. Well, that's, that's from the ring, though. I'm talking about, like, the costume as a separate entity. Like, well, the, and the costume is created from energy. Like, depending on what story you're reading, the costume will or will not disappear when the ring runs out of power. So I'm thinking, like, in case the ring runs out of power and you can't protect yourself with its energy, you still have the costume, which can help regulate your temperature. I don't think so. I, th- I think it's I th- like I think it's a definite, like you know, tie into, you know, it's like it's being created with energy, like in Secret Origin when the rings lost their charge, they lost their costume. That kind of thing is like always story specific. But in that that story though, you know that that did happen, and that's the story that they were talking about the energy. And if you're talking about a costume that's created by energy. And then you make a point of saying that the green is hot and the black is cold. And not to mention, you have other cores where the costumes don't have black. Like I think, uh, was it indigo and purple or violet, they don't have any black in them? I don't think so, no. I have a feeling that that's going to play a part. I don't know. I I mean, the first time this temperature thing ever even came up was in like within the first three issues of the current Green Lantern series where it's like like cowgirl or something goes to grab Hal's shoulder and she like recoils because she didn't expect it to be putting off some kind of temperature and they just kind of move past it so I mean whenever somebody brings up the idea like oh they keep saying the costume the black parts are cold and that must be that I just think that's that's just it's, it's a little much it's too much of a reach I, I would love to get somebody on the podcast that can confirm or deny that. No, nobody can. <laughs> uh, Jeff Johns can. Oh yeah, that yeah. How's that going, by the way? How, how's that? <laughs> how's that Jeff Johns contest going? Mine went good. Did yours go good? Is it? Is it? Do we have the interview yet? Will that be episode thirteen? Listen, 
listen, we just have to wait till con season starts up again, and uh, and then we'll say. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. Uh huh. Well, until we get him on to say otherwise, I think it's safest to assume I'm right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you wish. You wish. We'll oh, agree to disagree. You're... Oh, come on. You're talking about their wardrobes being some secret clue. Listen. It's... Listen. Jeff Johns puts in, like, minute details, and you know that he's going to call upon it another time. That's yeah. totally going as far as death being black and cold and the living being green and energy and... I Because, like, well, funny enough... In this particular trade paperback, there's a story about a Green Lantern going to a snow planet, fighting pirates or something like that. Yeah, and he he was raised in tropical climates, and so he couldn't take the cold. Right, but his his green energy aura was protecting him up until like it started like snowing yellow snow. So I mean, like if he had you know a suit that would give him some sort of temperature control, then, you know, that wouldn't be an option. Well, I don't think they had it forever. I mean, the fact that it's never, ever come up before, I mean, like, I could believe that it's new, it's a new feature for this incarnation of the core. I mean, just like they've never had sector partners before, they've they've never had the concept of the emblem being a badge you have to earn, they've never had, you know, th- there's all sorts of stuff that, like, they they've added new this time around. I think I think we should continue on talking about the uh, the miniseries because we could actually just have an, another episode completely <laughs> dedicated yeah. to the the costume black and the green. The green. I mean, I'll I'll agree that it could very well be like an analogy or whatever, but I don't think it has anything just straight up to do. Like, I don't think the fact that the black part of Hal's costume is cold is going to really matter. You know what we'll do? What? We will put up a poll on the God. forum. You you do that. Hey, Darth Knight, when you hear this and you make the thread, make sure you put it in a poll. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we will have a poll to see what, what our <laughs> listeners think. Okay, so going back to the story, um, yeah. when they find Stell, they also find out that the universe is shrinking. Yeah, I forgot about that part. That, that little detail, yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the universe is imploding in on itself to go back to, like, the single atom from which everything came. Why was it doing that again? He was this. doing that <laughs> because he wanted to witness the origin of the universe, and by, oh, right. by destroying it, then he could restart it and also witness the origin as it happens. That's right. I, I should have just said, like, like, oh, that's right, it's Krona. That's why he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's a loon. The thing that doesn't make sense to me is that Necron, he's, like, he's opening up this rift in space so that he could get through to the land of the living. And as he's working on doing that, Krona is basically destroying the universe in on itself. They have some communication issues, I think. <laughs> It's like Crota, you know, Necron's like, yeah, I can't wait to get out of here. And Crota's like, yeah, there's not going to be a year to get to soon. Oh, wait a second. Because, wait, what does Necron say? He said he wants it, right? He wa- he sees, like, all the love and shit. Well, like, what did... 
where the hell is it? Uh, da-da. And peeping through the rift, and for the first time, blah, blah, blah. Light, warmth, laughter, all these things and more could be his at last. Maybe Necron wanted it in terms of, let's kill it all so it comes to me. <laughs> if you murder everyone in the universe, they're going to end up in Necron's realm. Right. Maybe he figures that, like, if you murder the universe, that energy's gotta go somewhere. But... He also says that, he makes a point of saying that he's been imprisoned in this, you know, this, uh, this limbo realm since forever. And now it's like his finally, like, you know, his chance to, to get out. So, like, why would he want to kill everybody to go back to his own realm when he just finally was able to get free and get out? Unless he knows that Krona can restart it. So maybe, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe it's, he's going to let Krona kill the universe to amp up his own power and his own dimension or whatever, so that when the universe restarts, he can then go through the hole and do whatever he wants to do, like pick flowers or whatever. (laughs) And he'll be, like, even more powerful and have an even bigger army than he ever did before. Maybe. Or... kind of thinking beyond the page right now but yeah unless like he just didn't really know or care what krona was actually doing or wanted to do and he was just using krona to go off and kill guardians to open the rift krona's like the ultimate like over enthusiastic employee he's like (laughs) i need you to go and kill the guardians okay and he just goes off and destroys the entire universe because you know that'll probably get the guardians Yes, like, like, God damn it, Krona. God, Krona. He's like, what I do? Uh, next issue. Next issue. Okay, so we got the final issue here. Um, let's see. Back on Earth, we see uh, Carol Ferris and Pie Face. Um, Kalamaku. Yes, yeah, that guy. They're, like, afraid for Hal because they see his uh, power battery, which, for some reason, he left on Earth, and uh, it's gone dead. Um, then we, we see a, a shot of the Guardians. They're out in space, and they're trying to stop planets from crashing into each other as they all tumble in into the center of the universe. We head over to Oa, and... While a bunch of Green Lanterns got defeated in the last issue, all the rest of the Green Lanterns finally arrive on Oa, and, you know, all the Green Lanterns that got beat, they're starting to wake up from the beating they got from Krona. Krona is, like, gone now, and um, that's, like, the perfect spot for Aresia to give a recap of everything that happened in issue one and two. Yeah, there's so much in-your-face recap in this in these three issues. Yeah. Oh God. Um, <laughs> then we uh, we go out in space again, and we see the Guardians. They're they're fighting uh, Necron, and then all of a sudden Krona just appears. So now they're fighting, you know, both fronts right there. Then all the Green Lanterns finally make it back to that rift in space where they have to fight more of that army of dead people. And that monkey dude, Tylot, he saves Aresia. He decides that he doesn't want to be like the army of the dead. 
So he starts fighting back, so they make him an honorary Green Lantern. Then Hal Jordan flies into the rift with uh, like a giant energy shield that he's got from all the Green Lanterns focusing their energy on him. He flies into this rift, into this limbo area, and he basically calls upon all of the Green Lanterns that have died. And like there's a ton of them now because of the power battery just blowing up recently. Yeah. And though their spirits start fighting back and uh, trying to take down Necron, which they aren't going to be able to do, but they distract him enough so that the, the Guardians don't have to fight Krona and him, and they're able to take down Krona. They toss him back into the rift, and they start sealing up the rift, and Hal's basically thinking, okay, this is it, I'm not going to make it through that rift. And all of a sudden, the spirit of Abin Sir, like, basically moves him out of the rift and, uh, you know, gives him, uh, basically a congratulations in terms of, you know, I'm very proud of you, you know, for all that you've done. So Hal ends up surviving, now the rift is totally closed, and the Guardians end up offering Hal a position on the Honor Guard. Hal declines because he's just one of the guys... And as a sign of respect, all the other members of the Corps decide to say Hal Jordan's oath. We get a congratulatory pelvic thrust from Mauricia to close us out. <laughs> oh, yeah. As he calls her little sister. God <laughs> I think Hal's just into that sort of thing. I'm kind of glad he didn't have any female siblings. Yeah, it, you know, between this and our talk about uh, Charlie Vicker... You know, when doesn't Hal just carry around rings he takes off of dead guys? <laughs> he just happens to have... He doesn't have pockets. Where is he keeping this stuff? You know what I think? I think, like, uh, in the Ron Mars series, when Hal Jordan makes a duplicate of his own ring... Yeah. I don't think it was a duplicate of his own ring. I think it was just a ring that he got off some dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, here, this guy died, um, I pried it off his cold, dead fingers. Yeah, hey, you wanna, you wanna help us? Here, put this on. It was just on this, like, rotting corpse, like, five minutes ago. Oh, cool, I'll, okay. Isn't that disease? No, it was in space, it's fine. Oh, sure. Oh, God. It makes me wonder, because you know, like, one of the main reasons they'll, they'll reprint stuff when they do is because... It's gonna characters and story elements are gonna be relevant again. Like Necron is absolutely gonna show up. I mean, come on. It makes I but it makes me wonder if like we're gonna see Tylot or as I started calling him in my head Toilet. We're gonna <laughs> start seeing him again, like show up or something. That would be funny. Even if it was just like a cameo or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, could see them doing that. I'm still searching crowd shots for that puffball head guy who. Remember that guy who got murdered in the Rage special? Who was like a dick to his brother because he got put in the core instead of him? I'm still looking for that guy's brother. Oh, oh, that guy. Was it, uh, like, Nix? Something like that? Something. He's the one that the sniper oh, took out. Ar Ark, Arks, something like that. I think it's Arks. Yeah, I think he was pretty new at the time, wasn't he? Probably, but I still want to see, just just because of his backstory and the secret files, I really want to see his brother, just just in passing. That would be funny to me. I like it when the Guardians do things. Yes. I'm a fan. 
<laughs> I am a fan. Like, they got, you got this great shot. It's not a double-page spread, but it almost is, of the Guardian just, like, arms out to his side, just leaking fiery energy up, like, at the Earth, <laughs> trying to, like, keep it from falling into a black hole or something, and it's just... It's great. Like, I want to... I like seeing them go around and do stuff. Yeah. It, it reminds you of how powerful they actually are. I think it's funny that, uh... Aresia basically carries around a PowerPoint presentation to everything that just happened. Yeah. I I really wish she had pulled out, like, a little green pointer or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this reminds me. Like, they never actually addressed why the power battery, you know, blew up. Yeah, that's true. I was just thinking (laughs) about that. It just kind of, like, got destroyed. It just exploded. Like, did Krona do it? (laughs) It was just poorly made. Maybe it's like a real battery. You have to replace it every so often. Like, oh, this only lasted two million years. Throw it away. Seriously. No, I mean, like, I imagine it has something to do with, like, you know, Krona having some sort of ties to the power battery or something. But but seriously, they, like, did not even mention it at all. It's just like, yeah, we, were, we just happened to recharge, be recharging. And at that particular moment... It just exploded and killed a bunch of people. I mean, one guy says something like, maybe it couldn't handle being drained for so much power at once, but... And Hal's like, like, no, no, that's not it. It's like, that's not it. This is something different. (laughs) And they just kind of accept it and move on with their lives. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, that was... Well, two things. First thing I thought was, like, like, this reminded me... Like, this is a completely different take from Emerald Twilight, where... You know, when the battery exploded, all the rings died pretty much right away. Whereas this, they still had their full charge. Right. Which, you know, I guess it's in each case they chose what would best serve the story. Um, yeah. But it was, it was like such an abrupt change in this. Because this, this, this story is set firmly in this, the age where Hal Jordan is like, the greatest of the Green Lanterns. Where, like, every time Hal goes to, like, say anything to anyone, <laughs> like, eight different Lanterns will be like, Quiet! Quiet, everyone! The great <laughs> Hal Jordan is about to speak! Honor us with your words! Whereas today, like, he can't go into a freaking cafeteria without somebody trying to rip his head off. <laughs> <laughs> well, they may say the, the same things as before. It's just that now it's sarcastic and numerous. Yeah, and it's just, like, I could see, like, somebody who's only read the current Green Lantern series read this and be like, wait a minute, what the hell? These people, <laughs> like, they fucking love him! What's going on here? <laughs> they were really drinking the Kool-Aid back then. And, like, when Hal falls over and he's, like, not so much dead as he is just kind of lying there with his eyes open, they're like, no, Hal Jordan has fallen and everybody's crying, and it's like, wow, this is so different. What you call it, um... When uh, when Hal goes into the uh, the limbo zone, you know he makes a reference as far as how cold it is. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. in, like you know, the dead is the dead area is very cold. Are you bringing up the costume thing again? No, I didn't say anything about the costume. You're the one that mentioned the costume. I was just saying how cold it was. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he gets uh, Hal gets a kiss from Katmatui. 
before he goes in. Yeah, that was a little weird. That actually reminds me, they gave us a little, like, a couple panels each of Guy Gardner and Jon Stewart in the beginning of this issue. Yeah. For Guy Gardner is, he's in one of, he's in, like, his second or third coma. And, <laughs> and John's like, wow, I, some, some crap's really probably going down up there, but eh, they'll call if they need me. He didn't have his own ring yet at this point. You know, neither of them did. What you call it? I, I like how, you know, with Guy Gardner, it's like he's in a catatonic stupor. He's not in like a coma. He's in a catatonic, <laughs> catatonic stupor. Like he's stupid. You know, it's like <laughs> this guy. Yeah, he used to be a superhero. Now he's just retarded. <laughs> Now, now, now he's strapped to a table and he pisses and drools on himself. Every now and then, we'll just like feed him through a tube and like <laughs> berate him verbally. He doesn't know. Oh man! Now, how many? Because I can. How many times has Guy Gardner been in a coma? Because I can think of two. I have. Like, I don't know. I I have not been counting. Because there was one time where he he saved some kids from a a bus crash. And he got knocked out and went into a coma. And there was another time where, like, he was charging his ring and the battery exploded. And I think he ended up in a coma and in the Phantom Zone. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, there, actually, that might not have been a coma. That might have just been the Phantom Zone. Because, <laughs> like, it was a really cool story. I, I haven't read this story, but I've read about it. Where I want to find it because it sounds cool. Where, like, well, not cool, but as much as it is tragic. But, like, he gets blown into the Phantom Zone when the battery explodes. And everybody thinks he's dead. But he's in the Phantom Zone, so he can still see and hear everybody, but they can't perceive him at all. Right. And he he sees, like, his fiance, who, like, thinks she's his ex-fiance now, or his whatever, because he's supposedly dead, like, hooking up with Hal. And, like, that's the source of him not liking Hal Jordan or heroes like him. Oh, my God. Because, like, eventually Hal and, I think, Superman get him out, and the guy's like, no, screw you, I hate both of you, leave me alone. And that's how we got the Guy Gardner we know and love. Oh, oh God. That's bizarre. Speaking of bizarre... <laughs> no, that's a bad segue. But and, <laughs> do you think they've kind of foreshadowed the end of Blackest Night at all here, with, like, Necron being attacked by an uprising of dead good guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I I think I'm not like the first person to come up with the idea that at some point in Darkest Night, people that have the ring are going to like I don't know come to their senses or start like thinking for themselves or whatever and turn on Necron. Yeah, maybe I am I... the first person because like nobody else thought it was Necron. I don't know. That that's <laughs> that can't be. Yeah. Well, even still, once they found out that heroes were coming back to Black Lantern, somebody probably put together that, oh, they'll probably have a change of heart or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it couldn't have been me. No, no. What do you... No, no. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm still holding out hope that maybe some of these Black Lanterns, like, they were drafted into service, but then they chose to continue to serve because it's better than being dead dead. Because, I mean, when you think about when we've seen Black Hand use his power, he can drain life force from people, and it can, like, restore his body. So if the Black Rings can do that in any, to any degree, 
then you've taken somebody who could have died tragically. You're saying, okay, you wear this, and not only can you walk, like walk around again, but you can leech enough life force that you can have some semblance of a normal body. The catch is you have to serve in this army. And I would love to see some genuinely good people have to make the decision of like whether or not it's worth it to them and see some say that, you know what, I want to live, so I'm going to do it. I mean, because that would be... That's something that I know not a lot of people like because it strays from the superhero archetype, but to me it's so much, it's so interesting to take these heroic characters and just flat out embrace that everyone has a breaking point, even them. And at a certain point, everyone might choose their own salvation. That would be interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, as long as, long as there are some, and not villains, because that would be... I mean, I, actually, with villains, I'm almost the opposite. I'd like to see villains who come back as Black Lanterns but don't want to. Like that, I don't know. We'll see. Save our speculation for that. When we meet fans at conventions, right? can we carry around, like, a giant infinity-shaped banner and just wave it in the air? <laughs> like a big green streamer, and we just fold it into that shape, and we just, like, like wave it around? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll put it on, <laughs> like, a, like, a handle or something like that. And when they come around, like, we'll take the handle and we'll just, like, wave it in the air. Like, wee! Nice. Uh, let's I not have, do that. Yeah, I have, uh, <laughs> Let's never do that. Um, what you call it? I have to say, like, between this and, like, the current Green Lantern Corps, I really, really like Aresia a lot more here. When she was a kid? Yeah. She... I remember when when she first came back in the Green Lantern series. Right. Like, the current one. I thought they handled her all right there. He, like, in the current Green Lantern Corps book, like, they, they really haven't focused on her a lot. Like, she's been more of, like, Sodom Miat's supporting cast member. Yeah. I'm not sure I like her as the rookie, though. So, I mean, it, it seems like they want her to be the new kid, but they don't want to write her as a new kid, necessarily, because... She can already handle herself in a fight. She's already kind of over that awestruck phase. And she's already telling everybody else what's going on. So it's like they kind of they kind of fast-forwarded that. And that's kind of the appeal of having a rookie to me. Like, have someone who has still has this sense of wonder and inexperience. Are you talking about, like, after this particular story or in modern day? I'm talking, like, in this story itself. Yeah, but I mean, like, you still have aspects like, okay, well, she can handle herself, but there's got to be ways that she doesn't know how to use the ring that she can still be taught. And also, you know, you have, like, just different situations and, you know, things like that that she wouldn't have come up against yeah. since she's only a teenager. Yeah, but I mean, in this, uh, like, this was full of instances where it was like, oh, no, hell, I can't do it. Sure you can. Oh, okay, and then she does it, you know. Right. It was just a little too, a little too fast. Like she, I, don't know, I would have liked to see her freaking out a little more. I guess you know, like I want to see Aresia just freak the hell out. All, all I know is that if I was going to get a Joe Staten sketch, it would definitely be of Aresia from here. The word balloon, pointing off page, just yelling, "Little sister." <laughs> yes. Now, what did you think of? And this is, speaking of huge changes between 
then and now. What do you think of how religious the Green Lantern Corps is portrayed? Like, what do you mean? Like, they're... Now that I'm looking for examples in dialogue. Like, the, like they they keep referring to the Guardians as something like, oh, like, Exalted Ones or something. Or, like, where, where the hell? And I have, like, the Honor Guard is basically... They're basically wearing these, like, red vestments as they serve... It almost looks like they're, like, serving on an altar to the Guardians. Mm. And it's got, a uh, Just the way that everybody talks to the Guardians... Yeah, like, like every time... Like, Tomar here, he turns around, like... Like, a Guardian says, they're all here. And he's like, without exception, Exalted One. And throughout the whole thing, whenever someone talks to the Guardians... They have, like, this kind of reverence that seems kind of like... Like, it seems... It's, it's like they've, they've got the basic Green Lantern concept and they, like, put in a little touch of religious lemon, you know? I don't know, because uh, I think it's probably there if you want to look for it. But, like, I wasn't really looking for it. And, like, it wasn't so, like, you know, beat you over the head kind of thing where you would definitely, you know, notice it right off the bat. I wasn't looking for it either. Yes, you were. No, I weren't. I weren't. <laughs> you were asking for it. I was not. Well, I mean, it's, it's also, like, you know, how you interpret it. Like, you know, I saw that stuff, and I was just thinking, like, okay, well, they're the Guardians. They're the leaders of the whole group. They're the, you know, supposedly, like, these all-knowing, you know, super brilliant you know, really powerful creatures that gave birth to the Green Lanterns, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, they have enormous respect for them. So that's why they, you know, talk to them like that. So I guess basically what I got out of this story was that the Guardians are running a religious cult and all aliens are Scottish. Yes. I, I suppose that's one way to look at it. There's uh, there's an alien on page seven of issue two. Um, the uh, the first panel, like this, like red alien bird type thing. Yes. That's awesome you, looking. I was gonna say, have you seen it before? I don't know. Like, no, I have no idea. It's just, it's really really cool looking. I I hope that they would, you know, do something with that character. <laughs> this is like. This is a classic sci-fi here, too, because they have, they run the gamut, they have, like, there's no in-between. There's the humanoid aliens, and there's the ones that just look completely insane. <laughs> like, there's, there's, like, humanoid, 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 giant tree with a Green Lantern emblem on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, humanoid, humanoid, giant tree, pig face, and snake. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed in how Gallius Zed looks in this. He's so weird. Yeah, yeah, they did not do... I, it's it's weird because of the perspective of it. That's, I think, what the problem is. I don't know. Cause, I mean, his his arms come out of his, like, temples, to, like, his the top of his head, too, instead of, like, the sides where his legs are. And, mm. I don't know. They visually evolved his character, and I like it better. What you call it? On page 10, like, this Green Lantern that's like a lizard-type snake mm. character. Yeah, where'd he come from? I don't know, but I love him. Like, all, like... I, all I see is, like, a head, and he's, he's awesome. Looks like he's gonna rob a bank. 
Yeah, he does. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, now, this trade came with, like, a whole mess of different back, like, short Tales of the Green Lantern Corps stories. We're not gonna, like, go over all of them, but did any jump out at you? Um, I, I noticed the... Now I can't remember any of the names. Greddy? Greddy, yes. The Greddy one, that that was uh, a fun read. And let's see, what else? What were some of the other ones? Um, let's see here, I'm flipping through. Yeah, I was going by the issues. Just saying, like, the Greddy, that was cool, just because, like, we got to see his tragic, untimely demise, like, last issue. <laughs> so yeah. it was cool to see where he came from. Um, you may or may not remember this, but this jumped out at me when I read it. Do you remember in, it was, it was those two issues of Green Lantern Corps that were that random Alpha Lantern story that they just dropped in there. Okay. With, uh, Badika's sister? Yeah. Right. At the very beginning, it had Badika and this random alien Green Lantern fighting Manhunters. And after she kicks all their asses, she scolds him because he let the Sinestro Corps member they were with get away. And he was like, I'm sorry, it was my brother, I just, I couldn't. And she even makes reference to him becoming active again as a lantern to get his brother. But the reason I even bring it up is that one oh. of these storm Oh, I see. Yeah, Storm yeah. Brother? Yeah, th- I think this is the same guy. Because I think he has the same, like, facial hair and skin color. Yes. You get the story about that guy and his brother and, like, how, like, one went off to become a Green Lantern and the other became a supervillain, apparently, and how they just, you know, they meet up again when they're elderly and they try to keep the battle going, but they can't because they're too old and they eventually get over their differences. Because they just kind of realize, you know, it's stupid for us to be still doing this because we're old. We, we, let's, just, let's just stop. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> Is that the only thing that issues 21 and 22 are good for? Yes. They suck. <laughs> I'm glad they haven't been collected anywhere. That's odd that they have not been collected anywhere. They might have some Alpha Lantern story coming up that they're going to put it in or something. I think somebody <laughs> suggested that on the forum, or maybe it was you, I don't know. It would be <laughs> cool. I mean, they they could be doing a story with them with them going to the uh, Red Lantern planet. Hey, going back to Greddy's story, I'm right. just flipping through it. Did it seem like it just kind of stopped randomly to you? Yes. Yeah, it, it <laughs> kind of looked like, it's like, uh-oh. You know, he just kind of like fled off without finishing what he was supposed to be doing. And, you know, you kind of think it's like, uh-oh. It's like, you know, now all of a sudden things going to blow up in his face or whatever. But no, the other guy fixed it and that was basically it. Well, not even that, because what I'm talking about is, like, like, it feels like there was, like, a couple pals missing or something, or, like, because it was, like, there was, like, a detail they didn't throw in. What what happens is the Green Man, who we know from Green Lantern Corps, I think he's an Alpha Lantern now, mm. he wants to save this caravan, this space caravan of gypsies, space gypsies, blue, they're blue, <laughs> from this leaking hole of antimatter. But they're all like, no, we have to do it ourselves. So he's like, all right, how about if I empower one of you to do it then? 
and they pick Greddy, who, I, don't, I guess he, I, from what I'm inferring from this, from the artwork, is Greddy has a kind of dummy ring that Green Man is funneling his own power through. Because they always have that little line of energy connecting them. And that when Green Man leaves, Gray's ring doesn't work anymore. Because Green Man's not putting his energy through it. That's what I inferred. Because what we actually get from the story and art here is that when Green Man's there, Greddy can fly and do stuff. And then as soon as Green Man leaves, Greddy tries to use his ring. And he's and it doesn't work. And he's like, what? Oh no, that thieving two-faced... And then it's just kind of over with the old woman saying, ha-ha, now I will lead the tribe or something. Oh, well, no, she she says that, you know, you were going to do something, but it had, like, an evil, you know, you had an evil thought. So the ring wasn't going to do it. You had an evil there... thought in your head. I'm glad that you thought, you know, better of it and, you know, didn't actually do it. Yeah, but he didn't choose not to do it. He tried, and then it just... So either, well, yeah, either, like, he did decide not to do it, or the ring just wouldn't do it because it was an evil thing to do. The ring's never made that distinction before, though, has it? Well, I I mean... mean, It hasn't let you kill people, but he was trying to knock a guy's toupee off. That was... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we know that you're not supposed to use the ring for personal gain, so... Yeah, but, I mean, I've seen Guardians show up and scold people for it, but it's like... I think with that, we should... (laughs) close out the episode and save the rest of the trade for a future discussion. Sure. Okay. Let me just throw in there there's a really awesome Chip story. Yeah, Chip actually looking like a squirrel. Yeah, that was weird. When did he make the transition to like like, cartoon character? Yeah. I don't know. I like that his battery is bigger than him though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious about that now. So, I mean, like, that actually, like, they solicited a uh, a statue, like a museum-quality statue of Hal Jordan, and Chip was going to be at his feet. Except it was, like, you know, like an actual squirrel. And I didn't really he, like it at the time. Is he wearing the regular, you know, Hal Jordan Green Lantern costume that he's in in this, or is he in his, uh, you know, overalls and bow tie costume? Uh... I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's... I'm not sure. I would say probably a Green Lantern costume. Yeah. But yeah, now that's it's like, it makes a little more sense since this is how he started out looking. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. I'll take Chip any way I get him. <laughs> I love Chip. <laughs> Especially chocolatey. Ha ha ha. Oh my god, that would be the best marketing thing ever, other than, you know, good quality rings. Intense. <laughs> DC chocolatey yeah. chips. Yeah, just just make a bunch of like squirrels that are like chocolate. They can be little, you know, like little Easter bunnies, but squirrels, and just call them chocolate chip. And all the Green Lantern fans will buy them and eat them and like become diabetic. Well, that that's that's one thing, but um, in uh, in other news, and I'm just gonna tease this really quickly, and I'm not gonna say anything else. Do I know what this is? I, I don't even know if you do know what this is. All right, tease it. Okay, I was at Michael's recently, and What's that? the craft store. Oh, okay. And I picked up two little plastic figurines of cats. Oh my god! And uh, 
I think I might be customizing them into something, and that's all I'll say. Into that's all you'll say. What the heck? I don't think that even qualifies as a teaser. Like, what? What else could you be talking about? <laughs> I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, because that's all I'm saying for now. Oh God, how big are they? Uh, like... small, like you know, basically in scale with uh, like a six-inch figure. Okay, so they're not like. Tiny, tiny earrings. They're not like hero flicks. No, no, no. So, yeah. All right. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, uh, before we close out, I want to give a quick shout out. Um, There is another Green Lantern podcast out there, the Green Lantern Spotlight. And in one of their episodes, uh, I believe it was 3B, episode 3B, they did a interview with Ron Mars and it was actually a, a very interesting interview. They, they got him to say like, you know, basically the story behind the ion mini series, maxi series that came out a few years ago, why that kind of like fizzled out. And, um, he also was talking about the origin of Kyle and things along those, you know, those lines, um, Emerald twilight. So, you know, I would say definitely, uh, you know, if you're not going to give that podcast a try, at least listen to the Ron Mars in- interview because that's that's really worth listening to. Another Green Lantern podcast. Yes. Do we hate them? We don't hate them, no. Okay. Because they love Green Lantern, and that's right. what it's all about. I just like to know when I should be brandishing large, heavy objects. <laughs> <You know>? Yes. <laughs> They're the Green Lantern podcast from the other side of the tracks. I don't. I don't remember. We said, did like, what are they called, and where can you find them? They are the Green Lantern Spotlight <laughs> podcast, and you can find them. They're on iTunes. If you do a search for Green Lantern, uh, they'll come up under the podcast listing. I'm sure if you do Google search, they'll come up also. That's it. And I want to give a shout out to. Star Trek. I love that movie, man. You have no idea. Go see it. <laughs> yeah, everybody I mean, out I, there, go see it. I'm gonna see it like, again. I I want to. Like, I'm telling everybody about it, and they're like, oh, "Okay, I might go see it." I'm like, "Yeah, you're bringing me too." Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you when you see this thing, like like between seeing Star Trek and seeing how the, how well they do a sci-fi space movie, and Going back and watching Iron Man and seeing how well they do the solo superhero movie, just those two things together give me such an unimaginable level of hope for a Green Lantern movie. Like, you have no idea. So much hope that maybe they would also consider a Blue Lantern movie. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's taken longer than we've both been alive for them to get this far. <laughs> let's, not, let's not get greedy. Gotta push our luck. Oh, yes. Uh, okay, yeah. so if they want to find us, Dan... You can, uh... Where the hell are we? Oh, yeah, alright. We are at... <laughs> it's been a while. We're at lanterncast.com. You can find all of our latest, greatest episodes there, plus all the old crap. You can find us on iTunes under LanternCast, or LanternCast Podcast, or The LanternCast Podcast, or yeah, whatever no, it is just, this just week. Just LanternCast. Yeah, just LanternCast. Uh, I swear, if this changes every couple weeks... 
Uh, so right. far, it's been pretty constant now. La- just Lantern Cast. All right, Lant- Lantern Cast. All right. And we have a forum at thecomicforums.com. Scroll down all alphabetically like and click on there. You can talk to us and everybody. And We got a good little community that's par- starting to crop up. I saw, like, the other day, we had, like, two brand new members. Like, I, I don't mean people who drifted in from other forums. I mean, like, people with, like, five posts of their names. Right, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really good stuff right there. People, and, that, um, people that join up just for our forum, that's, like, the coolest thing in the world. Especially considering, like, how far down the list you have to get to find us. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, yeah, or, Dan, they can just go to LanternCast.com, and there's a link right there that goes to the forum. Oh, that's true. There is. Okay. <laughs> and uh, if you want to write us, you can... Uh, Write us, lantercast at gmail dot com, and is that everything? Um, yes, that's it. And Rage K rules. Yes. Oh, we we didn't talk about. Oh, uh, maybe we did. What? 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 Maybe we talked about Rage Kitty enough today. But no one mentioned Rage Kitty. What do you mean? Or did we? And on that note, I'm so Jim Ford. So not fooling anyone. Yes, yeah. Anyway, I'm Jim Ford. <laughs> I'm Dan Kersky. Oh, wait, I'm I'm Jim Ford showing out on the forum. And I'm Dan Kersky showing out on the forum. You're not showing out on the forum. I'll show out on you. I'll gland I'm... you. Ew. That, that doesn't gross. sound right at all. You have a horrible You're... name. You're gross. You know what? No, you know what? You're going to tell me and everybody else where Chona came from. You're going to do it right now. Because you keep talking about, like, oh, I'll do it next time. You're going to do it now. Oh. Uh, Some you kind next of frog. No, no. I'm... God damn it. So long, everybody. Bye.